Okay, hi everybody, and welcome back to the Box to Box for uh, another week. Um, I'm your host today, Nicholas Carapola, and I'm joined by Ramzan uh, for this week. Uh, say hello to everyone, Ramzan. Hi guys, what's up? <laughs> Great. Uh, so, well, me and Ramzan have been talking a lot as well uh, for this week. Uh, Sabani won't be joining us this week, uh, unfortunately. Um, so, uh, a lot has happened in the past few weeks. And I think nothing, uh, nothing more sentimental to start for than um, Sergio Aguero. There's more things to get into as well, but um, I think we just have to talk about him. Absolutely. Um, I think for most fans who, uh, you know, probably don't support City, but yet I think we can, you can probably agree with me that he probably has one of the most uh, storied careers and probably the best moment in Premier League history. Uh, would you agree, so? Yeah, man, for sure. Aguero was my guy um, and I think I actually think it's quite nice that he's a he was a Man City player um, it kind of makes him feel neutral uh, not that not that you know a heart attack to a United player or a Chelsea player would feel any less bad but um, you know him being a City player just made it easy for him to like if you know what I mean yeah yeah as in just being more likable and everything and you know his last one goal against QPR in 2012 to you know, steal the league from Manchester United. It's just, it's just the moment that really stands out for him. And obviously, like you just look at the accolades that he has. He's, um, he's pretty much won everything. You know, there is domestically as well as a Copa America, which he only added this year. Uh, maybe the Champions League was the only thing that evaded him. But then, you look at his statistics: 184 Premier League goals, and you know that's better than Thierry Henry, which, you know, says, you know, says all that needs to say about himself. Didier Drogba. Um, I think it's um, you know he couldn't he couldn't beat Wayne Rooney's record I think but then he was you know he was really up there with with Rooney and you know pretty much every other Premier League striker you can think of I think maybe I could even go as far as saying that he was the Premier League's greatest export I know that you know everybody can talk about Terry Henry but then honestly it's just crazy considering the fact that if it wasn't for him I'd, we're not really sure if Manchester City would have been uh, as great a club as they have been I don't know whether you agree with that. I, I definitely agree. And I think I think that um, you know, one of his one of his best stats, right? And the stat that I've always liked is the hat tricks one. So Aguero has 12 hat tricks in the Premier League on his on his own, right? The next person is like Alan Shearer with 11. Um Berbatov and Van Persie, like these are like players that you know were also great strikers, had like five hat tricks each, right? So for Aguero to have like over like two times more hat tricks than that. Nah, it says all it needs to say. And even that's not my favorite moment, like by him. For me, it's always gonna be that 2015 uh five goals against Newcastle. I think I think why I like that a lot. <laughs> oh yeah, you know, I was actually gonna mention that. Yeah, you know, you know why I like that a lot is because um as soon as he did that, everyone had a guru in fantasy. Right. And like a lot of people, and you know, Aguero's been um not up and down in terms of form, but definitely up and down in terms of fitness, right? So sometimes he he yeah. really is sometimes he really isn't playing. But a lot of people would like bear the time and still keep him in fantasy because you never know when he's gonna score five goals. He was more memorable maybe as the number 16 than as the number 10. But um <laughs> yeah, yeah, if they could retire his jersey, that would be great. But yeah, Aguero is a proper legend. Um, sad to see him go like that. Um, we have yeah, also, like, we have also had like two. Um, was Ericsson? Ericsson was a hot, a uh, hot thing as well this year, right? Actually, yeah, it's actually very similar. Except Ericsson's a bit more, it's a bit more fatal in nature. Maybe maybe fatal is the wrong word, but his was more serious in terms of the fact that he actually was unconscious in comparison to Aguero, who just had struggled breathing uh, oh, in that okay. moment. Oh, and okay. uh, yeah, it's, it's actually basically, it's basically a career ender, but uh, Ericsson actually still has the desire to play, but he's going to have to play with a defibrillator, but um, Serie A doesn't allow uh, players to play with a defibrillator, but then other leagues supposedly do. So he's, he's actually looking for a new club. As for Aguero, it seems as though it's, um, you know, it's, it's a bit more serious than that. He can't, he can't play at all. Yeah, no, no, we'll miss him. Um, uh just apart from just being the the heart, you know, injury itself or the heart um, um, illness itself, 
I think over the last three years, we've lost like a lot of players that I really liked, a lot of players that I've grown up watching, right? Uh, so I like lost in the game, right? Not lost, but yeah, uh, yeah. So so like like Frank Ribery, who still plays for Fiorentina, but obviously I watch him do a lot. Mean, I watch him a when, lot when less. You say, when, when you say when you say lost, do you mean they retired or do yes, you mean re- yes, like, retired, retired? Or do you mean yes, like or, mean, or do you I'm, mean or do you mean that you know that there's no coming back like Aiden Azar? Ah. <laughs> I think I think both I think both uh, yeah because I mean Hazard can retire tomorrow and it won't really make a difference, will it? <laughs> <laughs> At this stage. Yeah, but but all of those are all of those are players that I kind of grew up really, you know, all my my teenage years of football um were with these players. So like Ribery, Robin, Hazard, as you're saying, uh yeah, and now Aguero. I don't know, man. I, I was kind of emotional last week. I wish we did that. I wish we recorded <laughs> last week. I was very emotional. I would have cried on here. But yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, no, but I get that. But no, I think no, he's he's now a legend, and you know we'll always keep him inside our pretty much like memories and everything. And you know we just hope that maybe like who knows, maybe a testimonial or in case he can just come back just to just do a little something. You know, you know football's forever, really. Um, yeah, but then I think we should just uh, you know before we even get into the next segment, I think we have to speak about the elephant in the room for the past few weeks, and that has to be COVID. <laughs> um yeah, i, I, I really hate what to say at this stage i hate talking about covid man and, and now i don't think so, so we okay we can technically still play but it's definitely heading in the direction of yeah i don't think we'll be allowed to play anymore until things are under control again so you know what i will tell you is is that remember when Mikel arteta was you know way back in like back in march 2020 remember when he was the first football personality especially in the Premier League that got COVID remember that yes he remember when he got it then the knock-on effect literally just went through all everything just started shutting down everything got postponed I remember the final the last football match that I actually watched before everything got cancelled was actually Atletico Madrid versus Liverpool when they won at Anfield and that was the last football match I watched and then all of a sudden all the football just stopped and then that was like a very I would say it was very, it felt very lonely at that point in time because you kind of forget that, yeah, you can chill around and you can just like do nothing and, you know, be glad that there's no school. But that means that entertainment is also not there. No football is there. Yeah, I, I, I totally get what you mean. Um, I would hope that it wouldn't be, it won't be like that this time around, just given that we do have a bit of ex- experience with um, this virus. Um, maybe the, the ways of controlling its outbreaks are going to be um, a bit swifter. So if there is any break um, or anything like that, hopefully it won't be for too long. And in the UK and in Europe, they're also like doing boosters and stuff. So uh, yeah, you know, bear in mind, okay. bear in mind that bear in mind that you know there's more experience going into this situation now than there was at the beginning, where the information wasn't really that much. So that's why you know there's a bit more like fear at that point. I think there's less fear now, the fact that they've actually gone this long continuing the games. But at the same time, I just, you know, I just think that it's, um, you know, I don't know whether you heard, but they're, they're now making uh, fans in those stadiums. You have to have like a test before you get into the stadium and you have to be double vaccinated as well. You know, it's, it's basically going into that like direction whereby you might end up creating an entire second class um, <laughs> off this whole vaccination thing. And I even posted um, mm, mm. like inside our little, our little group chat that whole thing where by now it's like you, you're actually seeing whether if you're gonna make a signing, you're seeing whether the player is vaccinated or unvaccinated. Which, uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, Klopp Klopp talked about that, didn't he? Um, I think he was. I don't know if he was yeah. asked. He was asked in a in an interview or something, but he said that it's now you know if you if you're not vaccinated, you pose a big risk. Um, to the to the rest of the the players and the staff in, within the club, um, so that's definitely going to affect your value. Um, I think it's fair. Yeah, I, I think it's yeah, fair. Yeah, and then just one last. Yeah. Go. Yeah. Go. Go on. Go on. Yeah. What I was gonna say is, is that you know another note on this is, is that you know you're just mentioning that, but then it seems as though technically, somewhat it seems as though the players, or should I say the the football clubs that have. Uh, managed to vaccinate most of the players who were actually giving, you know, given incentives by the Premier League to actually get their players vaccinated have actually somewhat, you know, um, 
in, enjoyed this the start of this you know these Christmas fixture lists a bit more. I know Arsenal got a lot of their players vaccinated. Manchester City got most of their players vaccinated by October as well. And then I actually, I actually didn't know that. Oh, you didn't know that. You know that's actually like something which a lot of people haven't been talking about because the reason why you know of course you can still get COVID you know you know despite having you know been vaccinated but then it seems that it does help out if like you know your bubbles of players are getting vaccinated so it's like you know it seems as though um you know that's the reason why certain teams have been managed managing to play for this long as well so you know Arsenal have benefited from that they've, they've gone to some good you know a good patch of form after like you know two back-to-back defeats and then now it's like you know they're just winning their games other teams have injuries on top of that they have COVID positives so the Man City have also taken advantage of that because now, like, you know, most of their squad is very much still there and they haven't really had that many injuries as well. So it seems as though, like, you know, that's kind of like the nature of Premier League football at the moment. The squads are quite stretched, if you've noticed, and it's actually making the football a bit more entertaining. That's how you saw Spurs and Tottenham go uh, toe-to-toe together, you mm-hmm. know, in the other night because, you know, like, um, should I say, sorry, Spurs and Liverpool. I said Spurs and Tottenham by mistake. Uh, Spurs and Liverpool went toe to toe with each other, and um, you notice how, like, you know, there's no Fabinho, there's no, there's some players, there's just, you know, some light, you know, some light injuries and stuff like that made the football just a bit better. But um, I can just confirm now that uh, you know, the Premier League continue, you know, they put out a statement they intend to continue actually with the, with the Christmas schedule. I don't know whether you heard that, but they intend to continue. Yeah, um, it's definitely affecting teams. Uh, look, look at what's happened with Chelsea. Um, um, they don't have so so they didn't have Lukaku for a couple of weeks because of injury, and then he got COVID, and then now he's gonna miss what another two game weeks, and they're like like in a serious striker in midfield a crisis right now. Uh, Chaloba got injured like halfway through the last game. Um, yeah. I, I totally get what you mean. And also these, these teams that are postponing games, I don't understand how postponing games actually works, but I'm, um, I'm pretty sure it gets thrown, it gets thrown you somewhere know, into the season and it makes those games um, um, a bit more difficult as well. So definitely you know, you know, the criteria, the criteria has been getting, you know, it's been getting abused or maybe like it's been very blurred because there's some teams which want postponements, even though they don't have COVID players, but, they're getting postponed because they, they have injured players. If COVID wasn't there, I'm pretty sure the Premier League wouldn't grant it. Apparently, they claim that, you know, postponement of Premier League fixtures only occur if the weather poses a risk and clubs are, you know, reminded of the procedures that they have to follow when, um, yes. you know, for a match, you know, for inspection of the pitches, like Burnley and, uh, and Tottenham, I think, got cancelled because there was too much snow yes. on the pitch. But there's also pre-match precautions where... Um, you know, some, you know, some referees had to consider two things, you know, two main things. And uh, that's like the on-pitch inspection. So the player safety and basically the matches as, as, a, as a spectacle, the referee has to consider whether the playing conditions threaten the well-being of the players and whether they like compromise the match as a spectacle for the fans. So mm. whenever the slightest indication of a match being even like adversely affected by the weather, clubs are advised to contact the match referee at least 48 hours before kickoff to warn for the potential poor conditions or maybe to warn about this whole COVID situation. Some clubs have been trying to bypass that rule by like they're doing these, you know, these things a bit, you know, last minute, like asking for maybe like the, the night before the game or something like that. Is, is and, that what um, is that what happened know, with Chelsea? Because to, Thomas Tuchel what, did say he did say that he yeah. um they asked for a postponement, but then it wasn't granted. And he didn't understand why yeah. it wasn't granted when other teams, I think, yeah. I, think, I think United hasn't even disclosed how many players actually have COVID, but they get all their games yeah. are being postponed. <laughs> yeah, that's why there's a bit of there's a bit of conspiracy in, in the works here, clearly, because you know, Chelsea, you know, are complaining about that. I don't know whether Chelsea managed to do it 48 hours before or whether they did last minute. But either way, it seems as though this is something which, you know, is gonna really cause like, you know, quite a lot of issues for, for the Premier League going forward until COVID is actually taken care of. But then for now, they want to continue. For now, Manchester United, who People I haven't seen for like three weeks now. Yet no one has seen Man United for almost three weeks now. They're, you know they're set to return this weekend for the for the Boxing Day fixtures. But you know we'll see how this goes. And um, obviously we we don't like talking about COVID, but um, it's nice to just see how you know the impact is going to go you know from here. And, and uh, yeah, we should uh, be moving into the next segment now. 
Okay, wait. Just before, just before we go into um the next segment, because uh, we were on watching football, and I think it it is worth mentioning that this weekend we did see, uh, Bullets versus Silver at Kamsa Stadium. So Sobani and I actually did. We actually went to watch the game. I wish he was here because we would have talked about it. But it was a pretty good game. Um, one one until until um penalties, uh, and then mm. uh, and then at at penalties, Bullets and ends up winning the game. Um, I think there's some one of the, the notable things that happened in that game. Um, I remember DA put a caption on, on his on his status. He put something like Jimmy Dan as like watching uh, Zidane in the flesh. And it's, it's it really yeah, it really yeah. felt like that. He he you know, you know, once in a while you do get to watch those games where there's one or two players that are really dominating a game, and and he he was that. Right, so I have no idea how he doesn't get into the Flames team. No idea. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, and, and perhaps, I don't know what and perhaps the, the yeah, and you know, I think no. Like now that you mentioned that, you know, this is why like we had to like you know criticize our FA a bit more. That okay, if you can see a player, you know, that good. I'm not saying that you know it's you know that that easy, but um, you know, we should be getting players into the Premier League or you know the the big the big clubs in Europe, Serie A, or you know something like that you know, at this stage. And because I'm just thinking about like you know Brazil, for example, you know Gabriel Martinelli. Who uh, scored a brace against Leeds this week? He's been playing very well recently. He came for the four, from the fourth tier of the Brazilian, mm, mm, you know, like mm. hierarchy of football. And then he comes into Arsenal and he absolutely rips it up, you know, in, in, at the beginning of his career. And then he's just reemerged now. And then you're starting to see that he's a talent player. I mean, Klopp even called him the talent of the century. I feel like sometimes if you get a chance to get into like, you know, a trial somewhere, you know, if you manage to get into Europe and stuff like that, you know, somebody could call you the talent of the century as well. And I think there should be players inside Malawi that, that can get that chance if they just get the opportunity. Because sometimes you need the opportunity to actually, you know, get there. If you don't have it, then it's never going to happen, is it? I mean, eventually it will happen. And I hope I hope eventually we can also get someone from the FA uh, to come and speak with us. And maybe they can tell us the inner workings of um, those sort of things. But yeah, um, other than that, it was, it was a really good game. Um, and yeah, congrats to Bullets, I guess, for winning, for winning that tournament. Okay, so uh, for our second segment, we're uh, going to be discussing uh, UCL football. And this has been, um, Ramzan, I don't know whether you watched the draw, did you? So I watched the highlights of the draw. I did, I did not watch the draw. You guys were going crazy about it on the group chat, but I, I, I watched the highlights. You watched the highlights. So I'm guessing you watched like the legitimate draw and yes, not I, the draw that happened like yes, yes, <laughs> just so, before it. So I watched the legitimate draw. Um, I know that in the previous one, what what happened was Man United not did not have the right opponents or something like that, or they didn't have yes, enough yes. opponents. What what happened? What happened was was that Atletico Madrid finished second, right, mm-hmm. and Manchester United finished first. Atletico Madrid had their own ball, whereby they had their potential opponents. Mm. and Manchester United were not an option for them when there's no reason for Atletico not to be able to face Manchester United as a potential opponent because they're not a Spanish club. They're not from the same, well, you know, they're not a Spanish club and weren't from the same group. One of them finished second and one of them finished first. So that means that Man United was supposed to be a potential opponent for Atletico, but somehow it seems as though they they somehow drew Manchester United against Villarreal, even though they were already in the same group. And then it was very odd what happened. It was a mistake. Apparently, according to UEFA, there's a mistake with the computer algorithm that is supposed to deal with that. But then the way it looked on screen, it almost looked like, it really looked like they rigged it, <laughs> to be honest. And, you know, it's it, it really made it look like they just wanted to simply make it another case of Messi and Ronaldo, uh, PSG versus Man United. Okay. Um. What was the um reception? What was the reception when when it was happening live? Was there like a proper outcry? Like, did people notice that something is wrong, or did it? Or was there that was some after afterwards? It seems as though there were like I think mostly just a few reporters. I'm not too sure about whether the club's representatives were there. Maybe they were there online or not, because it doesn't. It didn't seem like there was many people inside the room because you can oh, even okay. like hear a crowd. So, but then, you know, after they just finished the draw, they're wondering what happened there with the mix-up with United. Because once something like that, you know, kind of like happens, 
like in the moment, right? because they're supposed to be very 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 careful with this so when that happens that means that the entire draw has to be scrapped because this is like a very like official high stakes you know tournament as in like it's supposed to be very professional the way they conduct the draw so they end up drawing everybody the game you know like real madrid get like sporting and all that i think <laughs> chelsea got lil and then they got lil again mm. you know lucky them <laughs> And the, you know, everything ends, the draw is there, they put the graphic up, and then the Sky Sports reporters and the football clubs all around literally started, like, you know, contacting me, talking to them about the irregularity that happened with United in particular, because it just didn't make any sense. And also some of, you know, some of the clubs weren't happy with who they got. So if they wanted to, some, you know, they have a chance to change let me just stop you there because yeah. right? I just want to understand something. So after Man United had that irregularity, right, where they did not have, yes. um, um, or, or Atletico Madrid didn't have United as a potential opponent, right? Was that then fixed yes. right there in the room? Was that fixed right away before the the new draw? Basically, basically, right. It seems as though the ball was like in the wrong was in the wrong ball. Okay. And everything. Okay. So that means that pretty much like the first irregularity was United drawing Villarreal, but they're in the same group. So yes. I think Arshavin was the person that was rolling the balls. And then one of the guys told him to put it somewhere else because they knew that that was actually a mistake because they saw that it was irregularity. So pretty much like. So that was fixed right away. Exactly. The, so that was fixed right away. So basically, it meant that United had no choice but to face PSG. Okay. Literally. Okay. okay. Okay, because basically, I, I, I like then, at, yeah, then Atletico got Bayern when they could have got Man United, but Man United weren't in their pot. Okay, so I have yeah a conspiracy. Yeah, and Nicholas, I want you to stop looking at football as uh, playground football. The world is not fair and friendly. I believe that people fix <laughs> and rig absolutely everything. I believe that where there are people, there is corruption, and where there is corruption, or, or yes, where, where, where there are people, there is corruption, and where there is something to be gained, uh, someone is going to try to manipulate something in their favor or against them, right? So you told me yeah. now that um, there, was an, there, there was an issue with Man United um, and, and who they were supposed to face, right? And it was fixed right there and then. So to me... Yeah. Um, yeah. out, of, out of, I don't know how many UCL drafts we've watched so far, I do expect mm-hmm. at some point there to be one mistake, right? I, ex- I expect that yeah. at some point, it's, it's, you know, we'd like these things to be at 100%, but one mistake, I'm not too mad at. I don't think that this tarnishes the reputation of UEFA in any, in any way, right? But then what, yeah. happens, what happens in that first draw, right? United get PSG. I understand, mm. I understand why they had to redo it, right? Think about yeah. how much money Messi and Ronaldo makes for UEFA. I don't think that yeah, those guys, I don't think that those guys are supposed to meet a round of 16. I think that you want these two teams to go as far into the tournament as you as they can because of how much money they can bring you. If you have yeah. them, if you have them in the round of 16, yeah. they will get um um you know the 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 money that you need for that game but then you if you lose ronaldo then you lose all that ronaldo revenue for the rest of the tournament right i understand why calls had to be made so basically so um for me right <laughs> i know a lot of people i know a lot of people and obviously you know don't take me don't take me so seriously or whatever i have no inside information i'm just a guy right but i know that a lot of people would obviously look at it like oh well yeah oh, well, irregularity, so we have to redo it. And I'm like, no, some calls were made. Some important people got onto the phone and said, hey, this fixture actually can't happen. I am, I am so certain that there are some fixtures that are fixed that they can't happen. They can't happen too early. I don't think that it's a coincidence yeah. that we don't see um, super big teams meeting a round of 16. It's not, it doesn't often happen. And I don't think it has, it always has to do with uh, finishing first or second. That's just my take. Okay, yeah. Honestly, like, I think that is something which I didn't even consider before because I thought that they wanted Messi versus Ronaldo. They thought, that, okay, this is our chance to do it. I just thought they wanted the money then. But then now that I think about it, it's a bit ridiculous for them to fix that 
um, at this moment in time because of how early it is. I yeah. guess that does make sense. But then, but at the same time, there's this conspiracy saying that, okay, that it was already fixed in the group stages when they thought Ronaldo was actually going to go to Manchester City. And then that's why Manchester City were put in the same group as PSG, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, no, nah, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't think I don't think that all these um things are wrong. You know, we got we got that that super long message that you sent us um with that uh, with that journalist who exposed all these teams and all the things that they do behind the scenes. I don't think that all those things are lies. Maybe some of them are stretching the truth, but I think that there is a great deal of truth. Yeah, some of them. Yeah. Yeah, I think there is a great deal of truth to um, um some of these exposés that we that we you know eventually see on on Twitter or or Instagram or whatever. Um, so yeah, that that is just my take on it. No, um, I think so. But but what about the actual draft itself now? Um, what 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 do you think? Who do you, yeah. Who do you think well, is going through? No, I think you know standout fixtures straight away just to you know keep up with time. Uh, Atletico versus Manchester United. That's that's what's ended up happening, and I know that Atletico are far happier with that than facing Bayern. Um, yeah, for sure. Since well, Bayern is most most definitely the team to avoid this season. But um, I think no, that game is actually quite even. The reason being, although Atletico are you know Spanish champions, uh, they haven't been at the races this season. Liverpool absolutely dominated them basically for two legs. Of course, they did give a good account of themselves at their home ground, but Man United is like levels for them, whereby like I think that this is actually going to be a good clash between the two. It could go either way. And um, pretty much like because Atletico is Ronaldo's favorite opponent, United should fancy their chances to get through, assuming if, you know, it can be the same story as before, whether, you know, when Ronaldo did score that hat trick to get you through against Atletico. And uh, Diego Simeone has actually, you know, until, until Liverpool... Should I say not Liverpool, but until last season, Diego Simeone had never been eliminated by a team that had not been team uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. Mm, mm. Basically, he had always been knocked out by Ronaldo every single time. They they reached the final, maybe they'll reach the semis, whatever. They'll meet Real Madrid, or maybe they'll meet Juventus. Ronaldo mm. always knock him out every single time, and you know that could be the same case here again, unless Atletico actually get it right. Um, the other standard fixture has to be um, Inter Milan and uh, Liverpool. Um, you know, you're gonna have to still back Liverpool because, well, so long as Salah's at the races at the moment, you still feel like Anfield is just the perfect, like, I don't know, European tool. Like that stadium is, you know, it's frightening <laughs> on European nights. Yeah, as far as that's concerned, and Inter's a good, yeah, yeah Inter's a good side. Maybe can you just give me like. I don't know, like a top three of who you think can actually win this. Um, it, it, it slightly ignore these games. Um, consider, okay, we'll consider these games um, in your analysis, but like, who do you think is actually going to win the tournament? You know, that's, that's a tough one to say, but I think if there's any team that has the, the mechanics to win the entire thing, just on paper, that is, mm. I'd always say Manchester City just because they can match the intensity with any other team. Mm. They can dominate any team with possession. They can counter as good as any team. Basically, they have the full package and they have as good a squad as any team. But if you're going to talk about like a team whereby you feel the energy that they're going to win this thing, Bayern gives me that energy that they're, they're going to win this thing this year. Like they give me that energy that they're gonna win. They're gonna win the Champions League. You always know that there's always that team that gives you that energy that you you think that they're gonna re, they're gonna reach far in the final. You know, PSG gave me that energy last season. I'm not gonna lie, <laughs> but um, um, but unfortunately, it just ended up being Chelsea out of nowhere with um with the whole Tuchel madness, which was very unexpected. But then personally, I think you know Bayern feel like that team, and also like two seasons ago when they won it, they were kind of doing this stuff as well, whereby mm. like you just don't really see. You just feel like they'll just. They'll just score against everybody. They'll just win every game. And Julian Nagelsmann managed to reach the semifinals of the UCL, albeit during um, COVID circumstances with RB Leipzig and with Bayern, he can he can win it personally. So I'll go I'll go with Bayern. But top three, you know, Bayern, City, Liverpool for sure. Okay, so I've got in my top three, I'd have Liverpool first because I I do just think. Uh, Salah will be coming from Salah and Mane will be coming from Afcon, so we, you know this. We have to see how that goes, but 
I do think that Liverpool is like the best team in Europe. I think it's the best coach team. I think it's the most intense team. Um, I think that the the players that they have are also at the top of their game, not only because they're really mm. good talents, but also because of how well they're coached. Um, and, yeah. and Man City can be praised for this as well. You know, Man City and Liverpool. I I was listening to another podcast last week, and and they gave it, and they said that. If Man City and Liverpool had to play like best of five, it would probably go like two-two and and be determined on the last game. And I felt like that was that's like the best way to describe how even they are. So I would I would still, but I would still go Liverpool. Also, just because they've actually won the Champions League before, so I think that that, that gives yeah. you that gives you a slight edge um, um, that mm. Man City just hasn't. Yeah, that found. means yeah. They in fact they've come they've come under very very serious circumstances. You know, three 0 down at the Camp Nou. Yeah, exactly. They they take they take it back to Anfield and yeah, yeah. They, they can pretty much like you know they they can pretty much stop anyone. But yeah, what for about, sure. What about Real Madrid? What about what about Real Madrid? I mean, look at how good they've been. Vinicius, Benzema, they've been fantastic. Real Madrid is my team, and I definitely think they're gonna go deep into this tournament. I think that uh, a lot of people don't give Real Madrid a chance because they are um, slightly stuck in a you know in a generation that transitional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, not Real Madrid being stuck in itself. I think that Real, Real Madrid is a totally redefined team. Um, they still haven't entirely sorted out their center back issues. Uh, I think David Alba's yeah. been. I think David Alba's been great, but I think that um, the injuries with the <laughs> the right center back, like Edem Militao, hasn't been hasn't been you know, uh, you know he's not yeah. Varane, he's not Varane yet basically. Um, but yeah. other than that, their midfield remains absolutely solid. Right, those three, if they stay fit, right. They, they yeah. match up to any midfield. They match up to any midfield in Europe. And then up front, you already know how it's going with them. I think that Real Madrid goes deep into this tournament. Um, I don't have them in my top three. I would, I would still go Liverpool, Man City. I'd have to go Bayern, you know, you know just, yeah. just, just, because of, just because of what we know. Um, but I would definitely give Real Madrid a shout. I think Real Madrid actually gets to the semis if they have a, if they have a good route. <laughs> Um, I like Atletico. I think Atletico beats Man United. Um, yeah, but let's just uh, quickly mention PSG. Um, you know, obviously there's they were supposed to be really good favorites, but uh, you know people always talk about how lazy the front three is. But um, you know, I'll just quickly say that you know uh, maybe if they get Messi and Bappe to click, then you know obviously with uh, with talent like that, you obviously have a chance. But it's really about you know how hard they work as well. And obviously the champions, the Champions League, Chelsea. Um, you know they've. Um, They've, they've breezed well enough, but then I think problems in the Premier League are also mounting. So it'll be interesting how they uh, how they manage that one. And I actually just want to hear your thoughts, you know, lastly on Ajax. They have been they have been irrepressible. I know that they had a relatively easy group, but the football that had that they're, I think they're playing the best football in the Champions League. Personally, I don't know whether you've been catching their games. I have been catching their games. Um, it's actually so unfair for us to mention like teams like madrid who, who yes they, they, well, did madrid just get out of their group uh they had they had no they, no they they coasted their group, they wanted they? they they didn't really coast it that much but inter did challenge them a bit yes yes, they, yes they, yes they 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 won it pretty comfortably yes but yeah um i okay, i guess my point is it's kind of like weird for us to mention teams like that when actually on form and knockout football has so much to do with form knockout football isn't uh, yes legacy does does come into it but um given it's one game two games at max right because of home and away and there's no more i've just heard that there's no more uh, away goal advantage um i didn't even know that that was like no nope. but like there's no more that no, I'm, it actually, is. I'm actually kind of sad that I'm is. actually kind of sad. I, I, I like their way goal. <laughs> I like I like their way goal. <laughs> but no, yeah, honestly, the away the way goals will make things more um entertaining. But, um... Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I heard I heard that there's no more away goals advantage. So, um, you know, one or two games max against Ajax. I don't think I want to play that team. You know, if they're all firing and they're all like very fit, right? Um, um. I, I can't I can't put them in like my top three just because I haven't you know they haven't won it before and you know they play in Eredivisie so we just don't see enough of them and Eredivisie uh, remains a lesser league 
you know um but ajax is definitely up there definitely up there if if was to do a proper ranking they would be they would be somewhere like above chelsea actually even even though chelsea are like the the champions at the moment um but just just given form and how i'm feeling today i think they would be above chelsea yeah so the last one um you know in a pretty unorthodox podcast this week i guess um we're going to talk about the captain situation so um maybe it makes sense to give it some context first and so obameyang was stripped of his captaincy and it wasn't it wasn't like you know we just kept the captain's armband being passed around it was just kind of like you know he said the the club said it very openly in a proper statement that yeah obameyang is no longer our captain uh, for disciplinary reasons and he has been suspended even um so i think before i do get into like my you know my more interesting fun things do you think that the obameyang situation was fair right like like do you think that uh, okay the rumor is that he was in france he was in france i've heard other people say that he was seeing his mom who's unwell and i've and then and then i've then heard that oh he was in france getting a tattoo which actually made me laugh <laughs> and and because of that he then missed training <laughs> and he didn't he didn't miss training because he was late um to get there but um i think you needed to get you need to get a test or something it, it, like it all has it, it's all tied into covid protocols as well right so uh but at the end of the day he did end up missing training on thursday yes. and, and then arteta was just like nah um so yeah the first thing is do you think it's actually unfair so both the suspension and the uh being stripped do you think it's fair to captain a team in the premier league is among the biggest honors in football ah oh, man i hate you and the arsenal <laughs> <laughs> yeah go ahead Pierre Cavani was appointed as skipper in late 2019 after Granit Xhaka incidentally was stripped as Arsenal captain you know right before him so this is absolutely this is a joke you know this this is a joke from Arsenal you know the way the captain's armband has been going for them so you know it's not always been plain saying for Aubameyang either because ever since he got that armband he really hasn't been at the races to be honest because last season was a disaster for him this season started off well relatively the last season but also it's a disaster again he even described himself as the coolest captain in the league maybe even the world i mean who says that maybe that's a bit <laughs> you know harsh for me but then like i just don't think of any captain that would say that the 32 year old apartment like 32 years old man maybe like that's a bit harsh maybe i'm being a bit harsh on him <laughs> but um he, you know he described himself one time as quiet and shy whenever i look at him on the pitch when he's leading the line i don't really see that much that much you know like he does work hard and he does do a lot of pressing and stuff like that but i don't see the amount of like you know yelling and passion as you know i see from other captains which makes you wonder you know what the captains in the premier league can do but to answer the question really he's he's had a couple of misdemeanors before this isn't the first time he's come back late you know to um you know to you know to get his job done for arsenal and the thing is that those are under very like mitigating circumstances that first time he was already captain and he already came late and he was left out of the tottenham game while he was captain he's still captain now but then now he's paying 350,000 pounds a week and then now he's coming back like, of course you know his you know his sick mother and everything which is unfortunate but you still have to you still have to be able to come back on time because football is a very unforgiving sport You really saw all those things that Xavi and Conte put in the rules. No, no tomato sauce. You can't eat outside the training ground. You can't. You know, you can tell that this this sport is very serious as far as you know, you know, disciplinary things are concerned. And the fact that you've done it for the second time, maybe even more, because I'm thinking that maybe he's done a couple of things on the side as well. And yet, you're the captain of Arsenal Football Club. I just start to think that I guess you know the suspension. or should I say not suspension but then him being left out of the squad I think it makes sense for me him being stripped I think it also makes sense for me as well because the reason why I say that is is that what what kind of example does that give to the young players at Arsenal if um your club captain has actually done this more than once as well I think it's just you know it's very disrespectful to like the people that you've had like you know before other people might disagree with me but I feel like it's actually the right thing to do but I think maybe him being left out too many games is a bad thing because we still need him he's still the best finisher at the club 
you know, as I'm just seeing that from an Arsenal fan perspective, but then they still need help. But I think, uh, yeah, for me, it's right, rightly so. I'm going to bring you back to Harry Maguire. Right, so so Maguire a couple of <laughs> a couple of months or a couple of as I said maybe a year ago now, he had that situation where he punched a is it a, was a police officer or what? I don't know who he punched, but he punched someone. Greece, right? yeah, the, the yes. Greece the Greece situation and him saying that I'm I'm Harry Maguire. I play I'm England. I play yes. for England United. I can give you a lot of money. Yes, <laughs> nothing happened. Nothing happened. Yeah, so nothing he's, happened. He's, he, he remains the captain of, Ma- of Manchester United firmly. So uh, nothing happened. What example does that, what example <laughs> does that say? He's, he's not late. Maguire is not late. Maguire is, uh, so he punched someone. First of all, so he's aggressive. And then he is boastful. Um, you know, he's not stripped. Nothing happens. Do you think he, that this... He, dis- he disputed, he disputed... He disputed the claims, though. He disputed the claims one, this, and also this video footage. His English. <laughs> yeah, this, this video footage, and 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 yes, him him being English again. I like I like what you said there. Um, so, and that brings me back to what I'm saying: is it is it fair or is it unfair? Because I think that Aubameyang maybe was never supposed to be the captain, uh, and I was I was talking about this with with some family over the weekend. Um, and they were saying that Aubameyang maybe should never have been captain in the first place, right? Um, uh, it seemed like at the time, uh, yeah. and, and maybe this will build up to my next question, right? It seemed like at the time he was a uh, he was captain because he was performing well. He had what, that twenty two goal season. Uh, the team kind of needed it. We didn't. It made it made sense. It made sense at the time, right? It means at yeah at the time. Yes, uh, and, and maybe he should, not, he should not have been captain for much longer than that. Um, it seems to me, and to some other people that I was talking to this weekend, that this is actually bigger than, um, than, than just this disciplinary um, thing. It's bigger than him coming late. Um, I think that it's, it's him and Arteta. There's something there's some, else. There's, there's something going on between there's, him and there's Arteta. There's something else. Yeah. I think you know if you're gonna be captain of the Premier League, I would only think I would only imagine that it's not just about you showing passion and stuff. I think it's also about how you conduct yourself off the pitch mostly. And we don't know how some of these players conduct themselves off the pitch because maybe that's the reason why people are very surprised when the likes of Granit Xhaka and some of the players where you feel like ah, really just because you're you feel like you see their performances on the pitch just because you don't like them on the pitch, but off the pitch there could be something which is there because we don't know what happens in halftime in those dressing rooms. That's why we need to watch it or nothing. Yeah, so um, I, I agree with you. Um, so with with that, we don't know what happens um off the pitch. Um, some of those players do do scream out, Captain. Um, Henderson. I've I've always said I I can't, I, I don't understand how Henderson puts Thiago on the bench. Um, maybe that's slightly Thiago's fault because Thiago's always injured. Um. But yeah, Thiago is definitely a better player. Um, but you know, you don't have to be the best player to be a captain, the captain of, of a side. Um, the energy that you yeah. that you push um, in, with through your team is far more valuable than your technical skill, right? Um, what I don't agree with what you said is uh, is about the forwards, right? So, I'll give you an example for me. Uh, in the times that I've played. I know that there is there is this feeling that def- more defensively more defensive players um, make better captains, um, but I, I don't actually agree because I've I've definitely played games where I felt that someone is playing behind me, but I'm definitely reading the game better than him, um, or someone who's yeah. um, up front is reading the game better. Um, you know, yeah. Bright Bright was was the captain when I was in when I was in lower six. I think yeah, I think I was in, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. When when I was in lower six, and I think Bray was a great captain, right? Um, he wasn't, you yeah. know, he wasn't the best player. Uh, he, you know, he 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 wasn't like Prince or anything like that, but he certainly could push an energy through the team um, that even players who were right there at the back in a, in a better fashion than players who were right at the back couldn't do. If you get what I mean, so um, yeah, I don't agree that the positions matter so much. It may just be that there is a historic, um, there is a historic feeling that 
captains are usually defenders um and maybe kept okay, okay defenders also often the oldest players on the team so being old kind of comes with experience and all those things start to like yeah. start to like come together uh but in terms of reading the game and seeing the game no I, I know i, 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 know, but I, I then, don't agree but then i'm just i'm just thinking demeanor as well i mean think about like this you know arsenal are thinking of making martin odegaard captain you know, <laughs> I, and, I'm, I'm actually going to talk to you about that. Just I, when I, no, no. Can you, can you, can you mention? Can you mention one, one number ten? Give me one number ten. Plays behind the striker. Technical, lovely passes. That's ever been captain. Bruno Fernandez. Bruno Fernandez. But no, no, no. But the official, the official captain was that Sporting. Bruno was, was a captain. United? Okay, he, United? Was the, he was a captain. Was he captain sporting? sporting. He was the captain of Sporting, and mm-hmm. he will he will definitely be the yeah. captain at some point at Manchester United. Like like definitely. I I and then, I, and then, I don't, I don't and then, even and doubt then, it. And then, and then and then remove him. Okay, I, I'd have to think. It's, it gets steep. <laughs> it gets steep. It gets steep. Payet is the, I'll, I'll the captain. I'll give you credit. Payet is the captain of of Marseille. Technically. Okay, I mean, I, I'd i have to really think about it. I get what you <laughs> I get what you mean, but I just think the leadership qualities don't really d- depend on the sort of yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I guess, I guess, I guess, I guess they don't. But then I feel like the leadership qualities just don't really get into number tens, <laughs> you know, personally. Like I think yeah. you know, it just feels like such a you know glamour position. Yeah, and uh, you almost feel like most leaders, and that means you have to really have the personality for it. You have to have to fight for it. International football loves giving the best player the captaincy you give the best player the number 10 jersey and you kill and you give them the band it doesn't even matter it doesn't even matter whether the best player plays a center back you give them the number 10 jersey and you give them the band nah that's going down that's going down it happened a lot i think uh i'm i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure you're talking about neymar i'm pretty sure you're talking about neymar right messi neymar messi ronaldo just the fours they just give them the band of course you know they they weren't it now but then at the time just look just looking on he has the number 10 shirt on it's about influence it's about influence i i get it but just before we finish on this right i do want to talk to you about the leadership groups because i actually found that kind of funny so um arsenal again um uh, so after Aubameyang now has been sacked as captain um they decide that they don't want to name a proper captain and instead they're going to have a leadership group right so in the leadership group there's lacazette uh jaka um who, who who's the other guy holding. rob, rob holding, holding and, and, Kieran and Tierney. Tierney, I think. right yeah so yeah. it's a so it's it's four captains basically and i was having i was having yeah. like these these arguments all weekend with my family right uh, um and they were and they, and they kept saying they've never heard of a leadership group before and i said well that doesn't make any sense because i pretty i'm pretty sure there's a leadership group in every single team it might not be explicitly said like that but um it does exist in some form barcelona barcelona for oh, no that's barcelona for ages yeah. so sorry i will i will let you let you speak but barcelona for ages has always had like four captains at any given time real madrid the same uh, i know that it goes marcelo benzema uh, i think nacho fernandez and then uh, someone else it must be Courtois or someone like that uh, uh, sorry luka modric Right, so there is always something like four or five captains within a team um, at any given time. Man City has always had so many captains playing. It's, I actually don't even know who's the captain for Man City. Um, um, okay, when it's not Fernandinho, it can literally be anyone. So I don't agree that leadership yeah. groups don't exist. I I think that they exist in most, if not all, clubs. What do you think? No, they've. I think. I don't. I think your family is probably just uh, maybe just infuriated by the decision. <laughs> that's any <laughs> consolation. No, it's because it's annoying. Because we've just been, you know, like uh, Arsenal just been getting the the captaincy wrong for so many years. It's either you give the captaincy to somebody which is injured most of the time. Arteta barely played because he was injured. Mertesacker barely played because he was injured. Uh, Van Persie left. Um, you know, uh, what's his name? William Gallus. He he left for Tottenham. Uh, Xhaka stripped. Um, I think I can't really, Kishoni was, he was actually a decent captain, but then the way he left under the circumstances, forced to move away and then decided to take off an Arsenal shirt in favor of a Bordeaux shirt in his announcement. Yeah. Yeah, so they're just it wrong so I can understand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think, but no leadership groups have always been there. Um, even when you're playing FIFA, 
uh, the minute you remove uh, the captain now, the, the band goes to the next guy, which is usually like maybe the person that's been there the longest. And it's always been there, Xavi, Iniesta, Busquets, uh, PK, basically the La Masia graduates for all the foreigners, which can the Barca team don't usually get into that group. Uh, Arsenal have actually had it for quite some time, just in case they didn't know, Unai Emery was the one that actually started the Arsenal leadership group. He, um, he got the players to vote because in Spain, it's, uh, it's actually a, the culture is to vote uh, for the captain. Where in England, you can actually just simply just choose what the captain is if you want. So when yeah. I Emery started it, they voted, they voted Jaka to be captain. Roman was really vice captain. Exit was, a, you know, the third captain and, you know, holding and, and these other guys. And basically, Aubameyang basically got the captaincy because he was vice captain, not because he was voted captain, actually. So the leadership groups are there. City do have Fernandinho, Ruben Diaz, uh, Kevin De Bruyne. I'm not too sure who the other ones are. And you can actually just, you can easily identify who's going to get the ban after this. Even like, I can already predict it. Like, once that person, I already know who's getting it. So they're there. Most definitely. Uh Okay, but do you think that maybe in the way that Arsenal has phrased it, and I think maybe this is where the issue comes, is that they, they haven't picked one captain. So, for example, in, what, in, in how we're talking about City, um, um, we know Fernandinho is the club captain, um, but then uh, by extension, then we then have, so De Bruyne, Ruben Diaz, maybe Sterling. Uh, yeah, but, um, but the, pro- the, pro- the, problem is, the problem is the City have had a lot of players that have had experience and have been around for a long time. Arsenal is a very different basket. First of all, I think maybe 70%, maybe even 90% of this team are basically under 23s at this mm-hmm. moment in time. Mm-hmm. So that means that technically you don't have enough players. You don't have enough players who have actually been here long enough to warrant the captaincy technically. Because think about it, Odegaard just got signed. Ben White just got signed. Tomiyasu just got signed. And, and besides that, the old 24, 23 and under. Gabriel, one season, but then you know, 23, but English, we're not very sure about that as, as far as that's concerned, because that does matter, his, how good his English is. Uh, tyranny, you know, obvious choice, but injury record. And then you look at, you know, you look at the other place, Martinelli. I mean, you look at, you look at ESR, you look at, you look at soccer. I mean, look at this, Ramsdale just got signed, and he's also just 23. Like, it's, you, you can tell that they can't rush this decision. They need to, they need to weather the storm. They can't make that decision straight away, especially if, you know, yeah, players are just signed. So and, this, and like you know, I said, might might be on the way and out. He's going, and yeah. He might, he might, yeah. Like I said, might leave. Jaka, you can't do that again because he already got stripped. So you <laughs> see, there's no obvious, there's, there's no obvious choice, and you can't just be handing it out to like to just anybody as well because they've also made so many mistakes in the past. Now they they can't afford to get it wrong. So what I will say is is that that's why they decide to make this leadership group. That way, you basically audition. And then if Lacazette leaves or if he stays, whatever, let him be the, the first choice for the rest of the season. If he leaves, it's cool. Then you can just simply get it right in the summer. After having seen now Ben White is like 24, 25. Now all of a sudden Ramsdale is, you know, just didn't, you know, he's not a new signing anymore. All of a sudden Tomas, all these guys aren't new signings anymore. All the guys aren't new signing anymore. So now it's like you can actually pick it properly. I think at the beginning of next season, they can actually pick it properly. So that's why they've done it. And I think it's the it's right choice, personally. Yeah, no, it's going to be very, very interesting and um, very fun to see. But yeah, um, I think thank you for coming to listen to this episode. A very unorthodox kind of um, things everywhere episode. I actually wanted to talk about like, um, I, just, I just recently found out about AirPods Albert. And he's like the best thing that I've ever seen. He's the best thing that I've ever seen. And I like I keep I keep seeing I see him everywhere now. Like I didn't know him before, and now I see him everywhere. You talking about you talking about Arsenal's assistant coach? Yes, wears those AirPods. Yes, that guy. I had no idea who he was, and now I found out about him. And like he's the only person that I can think about. But yeah, I wanted to talk about that and and (laughs) and a bunch of other things. But you know, we will save them for the coming episodes. Um, hopefully next week. Uh, and yeah, and I think and I think we'll have so many. No, 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 no. Honestly, yeah, and more episodes are coming. I think now we'll be we'll, we'll be more prolific this time. Like we'll we'll work towards that. Yeah, but anyway, thank you for listening, and uh, see you next week.